So hello, this is Jim Sevier with The Coachable, thecoachable.com. Uh, I am in the uh, a very unique position to be interviewing a gentleman here today who uh, I've known for quite some time after first coming here to Greenville. We met up at Cigar Therapy and have just become really, really good friends. Uh, I, I enjoy uh, hanging out with this guy because he is a thought leader and uh, he's got some pretty interesting things that he does. Now, uh, this podcast is all about just promoting business and and understanding why a company does this. So I'm going to introduce uh, a friend of mine, Joey Loman, and I would like him to just introduce himself, Joey, and and just kind of uh, tell us a little bit about the Synergy Mill. Jim, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. I'm You're Joey welcome. Loman. I'm the uh, founder, uh, co-founder of Synergy Mill Makerspace in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh, and thank you for the beer, by the way. Oh, you're very welcome. <clears throat> Found it in the fridge. Um, so Synergy Mill is basically a, a big room with tools in it. And for a monthly subscription, you can come in and make whatever you want. We have carpenter tools, welding tools, 3D printers, laser cutter, workbenches, hand tools, a trombone. We've got a trombone in there. <laughs> so you can just, just, just play a riff right you know, there. And just what, whatever inspires. Yeah. Um, making music, right? Um, ah, my, my grandmother's piano is in there, so every once in a while I sit down and play piano, ah. uh, make music there. Um, there's uh, open materials. Um, bring in any specialty tools that you want to bring in. Uh, we have classes on how to weld and how to run the, the woodworking tools and right. 3D printing and, and all of the stuff that goes along with that, all CNC right. mill. So, Synergy Mill, um, not... I don't know of a lot of places like this myself personally, right? Mm -hmm. So explain to, for some of us who may not understand, why you would want or need a space like Synergy Mill. Let's talk about that first. But um, actually, I think maybe I just got ahead of myself. Why don't you talk about why the Synergy Mill came to be in your world? Why was it that you started it? What was, what was, the, what was the idea? Where did it come from? So... Uh Let's go back a few years. When I was a kid, mm -hmm. I liked to make things. Um, back then, uh, there wasn't a maker movement, uh, and there really wasn't, uh, you know, you had your local radio shack, and you had, you had Home Depot, right? And right. I mean, if you wanted to build a robot, the, there, were, there were no plans, there were no kits, there were no, you can't go to the toy store and, you know, get the Lego Mindstorms or whatever. This was before any of that. Right. I mean, I had a, not even a Commodore 64, I had, I had a, Kim One microcontroller um, <laughs> that I put together, uh, and I built. I, I wanted to be uh, build robots and uh, like real robots, not you know like Robbie robot kind of a thing, but but real industrial robots. And here I was at fourteen years old in my parents' basement with tools building robots. Um, That's a story in itself. I bet. Yeah. Oh yeah. I it, should. We should get your parents online. Just yeah, just a minute. Inter interesting <laughs> things. Um, I made. Where's uh, the toaster? A lot of messes. <laughs> uh, I did, uh, but I, I had to make all those things myself, and there weren't a lot of other people around, and you know, there was no internet, and there was no, you know, it was an amateur radio club. I was I was a ham radio operator, so there were a few people that I hung out with on that. But the thing was that I was kind of by myself, with my own tools in my own garage, and. I did some really amazing things, but what I found out after a few years was that 
when you get a bunch of people together and you're all creative together and you share your tools and you share your knowledge and you share the vision of something super awesome, mm-hmm. it's so much bigger than what you can do by yourself. Ah, mm. so there's the, there's that hive mentality. There's the synergy, you know, one brain, right? one brain, two brains, three, three brains, brains, and yeah. uh, just logarithmically creativity, knowledge base, experience, expertise, all right. grows in everyone that's exactly. in, in that team. Right, and, and you can solve bigger problems. You can see things from more angles. You can, everyone brings their own perspective together, and if you all work together, you can do some really awesome things like go to the moon or go to Mars or build electric cars or you know all the really awesome things that we can do together that are so much more than what we could do by ourselves. Okay. So... Uh, Fast forward to uh, about 10 years ago, um, I'm in Greenville, uh, still have all my tools at my house, uh, too many tools, uh, my house decorated itself in a tool theme, <laughs> and uh, indoor as well as the garage? Indoor, at, well it was, I, I had just a, a little house, I, I started uh, rehabbing houses oh. uh, in about 2005, 2006, I started flipping houses. And uh, so one of the little houses that I was in was, you know, it was 960 square feet. And almost all of that was all tools, tools. right? You I know, love it, was, it. There were six rooms, including the bathroom and the laundry room. And everything was, had tools. So, you know, you sit in the living room and, you, you know, your end table was a drill press. <laughs> <laughs> because that's <laughs> where, that's where I, I had to keep it. I love it. I love it. Um, but I tell you, uh, getting, you know, that second third fourth date is really tough when you have a bandsaw <laughs> in your kitchen uh, well yeah questions. you know uh-huh i could see that i could yeah. see how that's tough it is let's go over to your place mm-hmm. yeah. yeah we're gonna cook something so <laughs> uh I, I i looked around and thought you know there's probably other other people in town here that are creative and have tools and you know what if what if we all get together and get put our garages together and make something together right um what really awesome things can we do so um me and a couple other guys doug cone you know doug yeah um and uh, another guy uh, started uh the greenville makers group okay and uh it was basically we put out the calls hey you do you make stuff you want to get together and talk about what you you make and this is right around when the maker movement was was kicking in 2010 11 12 somewhere right. in there right um so we started the Greenville Makers Group in town, and uh, it grew to about 30 people. We did not have a space. We just kind of hung out, and uh, people brought their 3D printers, and you know, we, we did some right. really, really cool stuff. But uh, that kind of uh, uh, slowed to a stop. We had some bumps along the way, uh, some issues with uh, vision and division, and you know, <laughs> where, where are we going to make the makerspace? Right. Um, there were a lot of, you know, well, let's put it in Traveler's Rest. Let's put it in Spartanburg. Let's put it in, you know, what I realized was that once you set that makerspace down, you've drawn lines. You know, people aren't, yeah. people in, in Simpsonville are less likely to drive to Greenville to a makerspace here. Right. Uh, you kind of really need, you need makerspaces all sorts of places. Exactly. So uh, I don't know if you've heard of uh, the website, Yeah, That Greenville. Uh, yes. Or, 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 mm-hmm. uh, there's uh, what was it called? Uh, what if Greenville? That's the one. What if Greenville? Okay. 
Um, and you can look that up. It was basically an idea from, um, um, you know, put up a little card that says, what if Greenville dot, 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 and people could make suggestions. What if Greenville had a this or did a that or right. whatever. Well, I got on a what if Greenville site, and uh, I posted, you know, what if Greenville had a network of makerspaces where people could share tools and all of those, you know, all of, all of the stuff, kind of laid out the vision, a network of makerspaces. Um, and to, to date, it has been the most commented, t- most active, and this was back in 2014, 2015. Wow. So the thread's still active. So it's, yeah, it's, it's still, uh, an interesting topic. Um, so we, we, we started getting, you know, a, a lot of interest and so forth about 2015. Uh, the next manufacturing building that we're in here from next was just getting put together and, uh, I got to thinking, well, hey, what would be more awesome than a makerspace in a manufacturing incubator, yeah. right? Yeah. It's basically what Next Manufacturing is about, a small, interesting manufacturing company. So, well, this is the start of a collective of people who make things that can start businesses and it could be a, eventually a business incubator. Uh, it's kind of everything all came together about 2015 and 2015 and 2016. We... We kicked it off, you know. Here's Synergy Mill. Here's here's the space, and and uh, hmm. well received. And uh, we've had upwards at uh, we currently have about 25, 20, somewhere under thirty members at the moment. Okay, uh, that are monthly paying members, but then uh, you know many many dozens of people that just come and hang out. And uh, uh, during the summertime, we have a grill and we cook the yeah i seen that yeah we we cook out and we have a community garden outside so i've seen you savor the uh the champagne yes, bottle surprise the sam- champagne mm-hmm. uh that's a whole lot of fun um so we we, we just kind of hang out and party and and interesting connections get made interesting conversations happen and a lot of creativity occurs uh like one of my favorite stories is okay. uh we decided to have a drone night. Just put the thing out there. Hey, everybody, if you have a drone, bring your drone down. We're going to have a drone fly in. And uh, that first night, I think about 40 people showed up with their drones. <laughs> and they were I mean, flying drones everywhere, in the parking lot, inside the building, uh, racing drones. Uh, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it was fun. Um, <laughs> next couple of events, uh the 3D printing guys happened to show up. So we had a little group of 3D printing folk who liked to 3D print stuff. And there were four or five, six of those guys. And they showed up with the drone guys. And they started talking. And uh, a week or two later, I saw this very strange-looking drone fly through the office. And we fly in, in here. We just, right, we yeah. Just, we just, yeah. You know, large people, manufacturing space. Yeah, we, yeah. we build them. And, and uh, we actually had races and stuff, drone races in the building. And so there's this very interesting drone comes flying through. I hadn't seen that before. And uh, what happened was the drone guys and the 3D printing guys got together and they said, well, hey, let's 3D print some drone frames and figure this out and create this neat drone. Uh, and they did. It was really super awesome. And then a couple of weeks after that, I got this shipment at the dock, a big box of carbon fiber drone frames <laughs> based on that 3D printed prototype that they made Uh and they were making kits and selling the kits to schools 
Oh, so smart. Uh, that that chance encounter that started with, hey, all show up, got those conversations going that turned into a new product that turned into a learning experience. And you can't write that. You can't make that up. What yeah, you did amazing. was is you just brought people together and let their natural creativity, their natural um, enthusiasm for building stuff and making things and put them all together. Something's going to come out the end. That's that's real innovation. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? And that kind of sparks an idea for me or a thought in me when, when it comes to business. That's what I think a lot of businesses, they get structured into doing a process. Like we got to follow step one, two, three, four, and five. But I, I kind of envision this and help me if I've got this straight. This is kind of like the, the best of free form thinking because not only are you just sitting here and talking and maybe drawing something on the whiteboard behind us, just trying to get an idea down. You could actually just get up and go out there and just start trying something out to see if it worked. Right? Absolutely. So it's it's not just theoretical creativity. You can actually turn theoretical creativity into actual products, actual things. Correct. And just and go, nah, no, that didn't work. Then somebody goes, well, wait a minute. What if we tried? And mm-hmm. then you get that group dynamic going again. Right. I call that iterative prototyping. Iterative prototype iterative prototyping Uh, so so and this is what really uh synergy mill has been about in the last couple years is that hey bring an idea in we take ideas and make them real and if you couple that with uh give it a try and fail often right take your idea and you know the first one is going to suck and that's okay yeah because it's Suck is a necessary step to being okay. <laughs> Hold right? it. Uh, so I've, I've got my I've got the cooking show that I do right, and the very first time I don't like being the first time that I cook on the show because the very first time I made a bechamel, the very first time that I've done anything that I've done, yeah, it didn't really turn out so well. <laughs> and and you have to learn what you didn't know and what you can't be taught. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't just read a recipe and go, oh, yeah, I got that. Because there's nuances, right? And, and to your point there is it's uh, – you do. You have to suck. You have to suck often, and you get it over with, get it over with early, spend the least amount of time uh, uh, going crazy over it, and then just move on. You know what? Mm-hmm. Great idea. Didn't work. Is it still a great idea? Is there still something there? Can we turn it into something else? And then just keep moving on. Fail often. Fail yeah. fail quickly and fail often. Yeah. And just make make incremental adjustments that mm-hmm. make things incrementally better. Yeah. And nothing is in its final state. You just improve it as it goes along. Man, this is just I mean, these are these are all quotes that I'm probably going to steal from you. Just gonna <laughs> let you know right now. Right ahead. I'm just gonna probably I will give you uh three uh credits. And then on the fourth time, I'm just going to take it over. Yeah, it's I hope you don't it's mind. all right. By then, it's it's uh, you know I stole it from somebody else. By the way, uh, let's see. But I mean, I right. mean, really, I mean, from uh, if you're out there and you've got ideas and you're looking to become an entrepreneur and take that that idea forward, I mean, arguably that say it again, uh, prototyping, iterative, 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 iterative prototyping is actually. Probably where you need to begin as an entrepreneur is don't just jump out there with the idea and then fail. Why don't you do some of that 
you know, iterative prototyping with others, spend less, spend more quality time in less time getting the idea honed down. Mm, right, exactly. And this goes to the to the principle of let your customers um, develop your product for you. Mm. If you get them involved in the process early, you'll figure out what works and what doesn't work, and you're saving all of that development time and production time and marketing time and, and delivery and whatever. And the last thing you want is to deliver a product and it, nobody wants it. Yeah. And that would suck. Bad. Yeah. I've, and I'm raising my hand. I've done that once yeah. in my career. Sure. And that was you, a great you know, idea. I, and then why wouldn't you want it? Well, because it's not what you wanted. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there's so many people that start businesses, but they, they – they want their product to be perfect. Yeah. And so they never really go through the stages of development to make it better. And because they're, that thing kicks in, it stops them from actually even getting going because there's... Well, there you go. You said it again. Everybody believes that what they put out has to be perfect. When in fact, even if you thought it was perfect, as soon as it comes and you put it in somebody else's hands, they're going to tell you that instead of it being blue, it needs to be green. Exactly. Or instead of it needs to be this big, it needs to be that big, right? Mm -hmm. And so making a perfect little blue thing or a perfect little green thing is great, but just the 70% rule. Just get it done, get it out the door, and mm -hmm. let somebody else play with it and tell you, do you yeah. like it? Do get you not to, like get it? to beta for a uh, quick. You know yeah. the, what do they call that? Minimum viable product. Yeah. Right. You yeah. Hit that minimum viable product as fast as you can, and then make improvements on that. And that doesn't you mean you're actually making a product per se that you can actually physically hold, but it could be a service too. Get sure. to that minimal viable service that you can just put out there and determine whether or not there's an audience for it that are willing to pay you what you need to be paid mm -hmm. in order to you know sustain that business. So. Right. Wow. Well, you mentioned just a, a second ago about how businesses they have a process, a business process that works, and th and and they are kind of stuck in that in that in that mold in that mold. And I think you need both. You need both that stuck in the mold piece, and you need the development piece. You need to work on your business as much as you work in your business, right? And then, and what that does is it, is that opens the mold up. If you stay in the mold and you're stuck in the mold, you aren't going to be growing, you aren't going to be developing. Yeah. But if you add this component of being open and iterative prototyping and customer involvement in development, now you've opened that process up. And once you get it good, then you dump it into that mold and you let it run its course and do and you know yep. turn the crank on it and the and the golden eggs fall out the end, right? Yep. That's hopefully that's the idea. Yeah, right. You'll know because you've done this development on the side and your customers already told you, yeah, right. I'm not going to buy that. So yeah. abandon that, right? Yeah. Abandon I mean, quick. <laughs> I just, I just went online today and iPower is one of the service providers from one of my websites. And, um, and I've got a lot of images, videos hosted over there. And, and just randomly I get this thing. Uh, we heard you and we're making all these new updates to the, to the, to the, all the services that we offer, the main screen, and it's going to be so great. And I just was like, okay, well, I didn't ask. You didn't ask me. <laughs> right. So I went to it. I was like, oh, no, I like the other one better, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, they, they they came out with that, hey, you know, we heard you. We're making things better, but eh, maybe they just said it. Maybe they really didn't. Yeah, or maybe they've got too many customers, and I wasn't just the one that You weren't needed. in the group. You weren't in the test I wasn't. I wasn't in that test bed. You know. Well, I, I, I think, like, uh, 
Google and YouTube. Um, YouTube has that. You know, I don't. I don't like this format. Go back to the old old one. Mm-hmm. Um, Reddit, I think, does yeah. that. Reddit's got got yeah. that feature. I like the old Reddit better than new Reddit. Right. So, um, ha- offering those those options to your customer and not not blocking them out. Uh, so let me ask you them. this. Let me ask you this. Let me take it in a little different direction now. So you've been at this now for a while. Um, hindsight is always twenty twenty vision, and I really like when I have the opportunity to talk about what I did because it helps me reflect on where I'm going with something, right? So, so tell me today. So let's just say the experience that you've got right now, somebody just came to you, I just came to you, or somebody just came to you and said, hey, let's, let's do a makerspace, right? Knowing what you know and just say that you've had all this experience already, but you didn't call it this or whatever. Would you do anything different? Would you do much different? What would you do different, if anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, and, and this kind of <laughs> great question, because the stuff that I'm putting into my next iterative or growing the makerspace is, comes out of what I learned before, right? Because right. I'm going through this exercise as well. Um, not just as a service provider for small businesses, but as a small business myself. Right. Right. So um, definitely some things that I've learned was uh, I need to ask for help more often and from a lot more people. Man, that that just Um, needs to be a tattoo on everybody's forehead. Yeah. Um, And that's sometimes it's been hard for me because, you know, you get this attachment that I've got to be the guy to do it or nobody else can help me or, you know, sometimes you you just you know there's there's pride involved all, yeah, all that yeah, kind of I stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't want to let this one go. This is my baby. Yeah, <laughs> it is. You know, it is exactly. And uh, so I think looking back uh, personally myself is is where I would have changed some things with that. Um, and then moving forward, that's like one of the top things on my personal development list is how can I better ask for help. There you I'm, go. I'm making this go um, because, again, it's it's the synergy of it. Well, you can't synergy by yourself. You have to – the definition of such is that there's, there's a bunch of you doing it. Right. And so uh, uh, that is that is the thing I would change. And, it, you know, if I, if I were helping somebody start a makerspace, uh, you know, keeping the overhead costs low. Um, the room we're sitting in is pretty expensive. And uh, – the uh, I justified the expensive room because I had the partnership of Next and the right. Next organization. That's that's what made that uh, work. Uh, but starting out, you need that big brother. You need that benefactor. You need that that guy that can help bankroll things and get things going um, to to really overcome that hump. Um, the, the long-term vision of here involves yeah. uh, smaller maker spaces everywhere. And mm-hmm. it just so happened that if you looked at the, uh, the city of Greenville plan for the 20 year plan, yeah. page one Oh six, one Oh seven, somewhere in there, it's specifically says right on it, you know, make room for maker spaces in downtown. And so we're aligned with the vision of what the city is going to do. So I think we're positioned in a good spot for that. Uh, I think the ahead, other thing that it that it just plays in my head when you say something like that, and I, you can you can see that the uh, the thought leaders in town hall are thinking in terms of that. The thing that I've always loved about spaces like this, 
um, first, it's like just it's it's like organized chaos, right? And when when I walk into organized chaos, meaning there are specific places that you do specific things, but when you're in there, you your you know hands are flying, papers are going up in the air, everybody's just going crazy because they're just very very creative spaces. But I think what I like about that is is that it promotes the artisan and the craftsman and the master craft, if you will, or the master craftsman ideal or idea that we don't just have to be a cog that just does what what any number of businesses want us to do. We can actually do something that is us that promotes what it is that we want to see and what we want to do, and it gives us a place to fail, fail early, fail often, figure it out, then ultimately have a box full of, <laughs> of carbon fiber frames <laughs> show up, right? Right. Um, I just think that that's a good thing, and I'm, I'm glad to see that the city founders have got, or the city fathers have that, that kind of idea already for, for downtown mm. Greenville. Because any of the great places that I've ever been to have had a downtown area that is just, it's, it's, you know, it's not something they just do once a year, like Artisphere or something like that. Mm. It's always there. Yeah, Magic Festival is a good one. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, Asheville is a good example of that. It's, I think, off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. It's not in downtown, but I mean, you can pretty much see guys arc welding and painting and oh, the art is absolutely yeah. fabulous. Yeah, and yeah, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting somebody that's just making something super yeah. awesome. And food, all in the same place. Yeah, ah. right. Go ahead. But so the cr- the creativity part that you just mentioned, I think, is is uh, something that I, I, I kind of overlooked mentioning that uh, being an engineer and you know technology guy and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff making things uh, but there there is a driver along that with that of the art component of the creativity component of the joy of making something component mm-hmm. you know to sit down with a box of crayons I mean, when was the last time you sat down with a box of crayons and a blank piece of paper <laughs> and and just made something that you didn't judge you yeah. just you just put colors on a page it's very rare for us. It's old guys yeah. to do that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, same way. Well, in the kitchen. When was the last time you went to the kitchen with a blank kitchen with no recipe? With just, I'm going to make something that makes me happy. Yeah. Right. That's a, that joy that we have is the same joy component that we had when we were five and six years old. Yeah. And we did something and. Brought her home to Here's mom. There's a whole bunch of popsicle sticks. Pops- oh, let's, what can yeah. we make? Uh, let's make a pirate ship out of it. Exactly. Okay. You think it'll float? Let's try. Yeah, you, you, you make a, you glue up a mess of, of cotton balls and something on a piece of paper, and you take it to mom, and she's like, oh, this is just amazing, and puts it on the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm. it's that joy that you have of, of the acknowledgement of, I did something, I, I created something and i like that and it's it is a an art piece it evokes some kind of emotion it evokes some kind of connection with somebody that is a component of what synergy mill is about excellent and, and we want to have more and we've we have had a lot of uh artists that come in uh that have done some really awesome looking art uh yuri suzuki mm. uh, is uh oh yeah uh, one of the people that is, that has been in here that's done some absolutely incredible art. Didn't they do the yeah. um, the 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 head the the helmet for who did the the Mandalorian, Mandalorian helmet? Yeah. Oh yeah, Noah was in here and he uh, oh, he Noah he, did that one. Okay. He yeah he did that <laughs> and uh, 
That was absolutely cool, by the way. It it, it was. Did it weigh a ton? No, no. It's it's made of uh, it's made of uh, expanded foam, and uh, what? That's you know like these yeah. mats that you stand on. It looked completely metal. Yeah, and <laughs> exactly. And so I've got I've got plans here. If you want to make one, we can we can make a helmet. You know, we've okay. got we got all the stuff to do that. Yeah, this is uh, this is something that. Well, I don't know if my, I, I've got a I've got a grandson. I know that would be like the best thing that he's ever seen. Or uh-huh. yeah, so we might have to we might have to talk about that. Sure. offline. Yeah, and uh, oh, the partnership with Recraft goes exactly along with this. And Re- Recraft is a, a nonprofit group that takes trash stuff that would have gone to the landfill, and mm-hmm. they recover it and sort it, and they make it available for kids to do projects with, do art projects. Oh, really? And. Um, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. And so they'll, you know, they'll collect a bin of bottle caps and and popsicle sticks and anything else, any, you know, uh, construction cast off pieces, right? Uh, all sorts of materials, fiber materials, ceramics, woods, all of that, and they sort it and put it in bins. And uh, kids can come in here on a Friday or a Saturday and just all day long and make whatever they want. Here's a hot glue gun. Here's glue and tape and and here's all the materials. Pick out what you want. Just make something cool. Just, just make up whatever you want to make. Yeah, and you know, I had, I've had kids come in here and uh, sit there all day long. And you know, one kid made a robot, and you know, it wasn't a like a real robot, but it was a popsicle sticks and and that's just cool. What would have been trash, he turned into a really cool art piece, and he was proud of it, and I was proud of him. And the other thing I was proud of him was about is he looked over the. Over a little wall there into the makerspace shop and said, "Hey, can I can I use the that saw over there to do my, you know, cut this this piece?" I'm like, "Yeah, come on, let's go." And so I took this, you know, six year old boy uh-huh. over and and we we ran the the saw and and cut the pieces up that he wanted cut up and had a great time doing it. And it's, so it expanded his experience into wow. things that he would eventually grow into and. I yeah, I don't know about it. you, it's but awesome. for me, it was my dad, right? And my granddad, yeah. right? Just hanging out in the garage and just... So th- I have this, you know... If if I find something just that I think is just cool looking, I'll actually just pick it up and bring it home. I don't care what it is. The front-end grill of a car. <laughs> it was kind of like in a honeycomb shape. And I'm like, that honeycomb shape, I've got speakers and I've got all this al- all, the, all the gear, the electronics mm-hmm. that I've got. And and I've had this one space that it was just been an open space and it's just been an eyesore. I was like, man, what if I just put that speak put put that grill right behind that, paint mm-hmm. it black, put it in there, music can still get out, it'll look cool, right? So yeah, that's that's exactly what I did. I ended up go. selling that. I ended up selling that thing to a friend who's like, that's really cool. Can I have that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you get into a space like this, and <coughs> a couple things happen, and, and you know, I just the guy that was just in here, um, you walk into the synergy mill and it is overwhelming because there are so many possibilities that you just absolutely lose track of of what and because it's it's very much undirected squirrel uh, squirrel 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 yeah let's <laughs> let's do this let's do that and and oh there's a welder oh there's a, th- a laser cutter you know and, and all of a sudden you if you aren't careful instead of your creativity to make something kick in the apprehension of oh can i really do it or do I have right. all the stuff, or right. you know, all right. those kind of things? So, um, the the opportunities for both are there. You just gotta step up and try it, and 
and en- engage that curiosity, engage that that attempt, engage that innovation, engage you know, get rid of the fear part, get rid of the right, you know, the pride part, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, dude, I'm fifty something, and I'm I'm over there with crayons and and. Now you're just making me want to go home with a, with a bunch of my markers and just yeah. start, start drawing stuff up. Absolutely. So uh, you can you can let those things either intimidate you or you can let them engage you. And we want to have a, an environment here. And you get a lot of people together. That's where the community part is so important. If I can get around people that are doing some really awesome stuff, it definitely encourages me to, you know, step up and make something too or give it a try. All right. I, well, I want to I want to go on to the the next topic that I think is going to take us. A while to get through because you're doing something um, fairly unique, right? I walked in here, I saw a bunch of pallets of a bunch of products that are going out your door. Um, products that I know that that you are involved with a group of people to support a particular event, a particular need, right? Right. So I don't want to. I want to, I want you to walk into that. I don't want to just preempt this. I do want you to talk about that though, because sure. you've got this makerspace, and there's other people that have the ability of doing some of this stuff, whether they're in a makerspace or working from their home. Talk mm-hmm. about what you guys have done. Talk about that. Uh, give me some understanding of how it started, and give me a little understanding of where it's going. Yeah. So uh, first, tell know, us what it is. Tell you what it is. So we are producing uh, uh, PPE gear for doctors and hospitals, uh, namely shields and, uh, and masks here. Um, and the way that started was, you know, uh, it, was, it was awful. <laughs> it was a, Tell it, if you, if you ever it. wonder if one guy can change the world, he definitely can. Uh, <laughs> so we were doing really good as a makerspace uh, here up until the middle of March. And uh, then all of this COVID thing happened. Um, and our business model is built upon building community. Right. And having people show up and do a thing. Yeah. And with the craziness that happened, it absolutely up- upended that completely. Uh. Right. There was... We had to cancel all of our classes. Um, everything just kind of stopped. And, of course, revenue stopped as well. But uh, we, we, we worked through those, those kind of issues. Um, so all of the stuff that we do and we like to do and we get people together to do, we can't, can't do anymore. So how, what do we do then, right? So what, what, what's going to ha- what's gonna happen? Um, we got to looking around, and uh, other makerspaces around saw the need for uh, uh, protective gear for yeah, those for little plexiglass for, shields. Yeah, the, the the shields that that uh, the doctors wear to keep uh, stuff from splattering on them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a super big demand for that, and the only way to meet that demand quickly was. Uh, uh, Let's get a bunch of volunteers together. Let's make a prototype shield and 3D print them and see how they work and, and get with doctors and, and do that. Here's version one. We tried it out. Version two is a little bit better. Version three is a little bit better. And, and so after uh, a few iterations, which in this environment took a couple of days, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, because you can, not weeks, you can do not that. months. Um, th- we've we've come up with uh, a solution to that that design issue and to, and that functional issue and to meet the the high demand for these critical components that these doctors need. Right. And uh, so what we did is we pivoted the makerspace uh, from what we were doing into a central point of assembling and creating this PPE gear uh, for doctors. And, uh, uh, of course, scaling it has been an an interesting issue uh, because a lot of people don't have all of the materials that they need to make uh, a shield. A complete shield. A complete shield. Right. I mean, if you have a 3D printer, you can make parts of it. If you have the uh, PETG plastic shield part, you you can cut that. But it's very rare to have... You know all Everything. of the all of those things in and have the town to do it all and yeah to, to do all the pieces uh, and all the people and some of these uh, like the 3D printed headband pieces take three or four or five hours to print just so one. just one yeah right so building a shield is there's a lot of a lot of time and effort that goes into that so we partnered with a company uh, a, a nonprofit group called 3D for COVID. And uh, what they did is got all of these people who have 3D printers and the makers and had them 3D print the components and then ship them here. And so here we take... Here to the Synergy Mill. Here here. here to Synergy Mill. And uh, so now all of the pieces parts come here. We assemble them into kits, package them, and then ship them out to uh, doctor's offices and hospitals and, you know, whoever, whoever needs... You know, dental dentist offices, clinics, right, right, uh, all over, uh, all over the East Coast and, and further. I've, I've shipped stuff uh, all the way to Alaska, um, Maine, Pittsburgh, Florida, uh, Missouri. I mean, it's everywhere is is where we're shipping these. So I kind of know this the answer to this question, but I want you to be able to say it out loud because I think it's <laughs> an amazing thing that you guys have done. But you know, to what scale? Have you guys been able to ship out? What? How? Where's the number at now, as to all of these things that that have been produced over the last how many weeks? Uh, it's about six six weeks. Six so weeks. six weeks. Uh, so this is the this is the interesting part. Um, there's been th- hundreds, many hundreds, probably thousands of 3D printing makers that have sent uh, many hundreds, probably thousands of 3D printed headsets that have come in um, and we've shipped out here uh, two weeks ago we shipped out 5,000 to uh, a wow. hospital uh, in Pittsburgh just last week just yes and and the interesting thing about this is the coordination between all of the people that made this happen because right. we are uh, we're, we're nonprofit all donation based all of the all of the headgear all everything coming in and out is all donated Wow. We don't make any profit at, at all no. on, on this. Uh, the shipments were shipped via uh, Aerobridge, which is a uh, volunteer airplane shipping community. What? That, yeah. And uh, they <laughs> volunteered. Did not know that. They volunteered five aircraft that flew... Uh, 5,000 of these shields. Like right out of Greenville right Airport out of Greenville or GS- GSP or whatever? To Pittsburgh, yes. Wow. So all of it from the creation of the headgear, packaging, setup, transport, 
well, wait a minute. Um, let's let's make this a little bit volunteer. more accurate by getting thousands of hundreds, if not thousands, of individual 3D pe people with 3D printers, getting that crew uh, basically singing the same song, printing the same thing. Mm -hmm. That was exactly. I, I can't imagine what that effort was like. Obviously, mm -hmm. you went through iteration one, two, three, and so on, right? Mm -hmm. Then. Then the plastic itself, the plexiglass itself, which is not 3D printed, but right. still has cut. to be laser cut in a such a way because it's going to be on a curve. Mm -hmm. So you can't just put the holes in there where you think they got to go. You got to you got to you got to know how to do that. There was some engineering. Path, yeah, right? somebody figured that out. So there's that. Then mm -hmm. you got to get all this stuff here, and it would be kind of ridiculous to have ten thousand 3D printed headgear pieces with only 200 masks right so right. so now you've also got how many how many headgear do i have coming in and do i have enough plastic for making all of these things so that we can put them together exactly i mean the last thing you want is a whole bunch of headgear sitting out there with nothing mm -hmm. to, to put them together with right right so there's that environment this is what so by the way this is kind of what i do for a living <laughs> is is that i i i just like reverse engineer what you guys have done and mm -hmm. it really impressed me to I mean, I'm already impressed by you. I mean, I've known you for a while. Thank you. I'm going to get a little emotional on this one, but I this is just something to, for me. It it wasn't just hey, bring me all your gear and and then, and then you come in here on Saturday and put it all together and then ship it on out. Now you're talking that you had to get coordinated in this effort. Obviously, the people that you're sending it to needs to know it's coming, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. So there had to be that work done, like in Pittsburgh. Like, hey, how many do you need? We need 5,000 mm -hmm. of them. Okay, hang on. Mm -hmm. Right? We're going to have this, and we should have this, and it'll be ready by boom. And then, and then you got to get a, an air carrier. <laughs> exactly. Who's and donating and coordinate them flying in at just the right time so somebody could take a truck up what is at least two or three crates there, right? It's a bunch. Or car yeah. yeah, two or three crates, like wooden crates. Mm -hmm. There were 63 boxes. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. And to then get that on an airplane. Right. And I guess get it through TSA. No, actually, it's all through private. Oh, so it's, it's through the private, the, yeah. the private. Okay, perfect. Yeah, it's all private. And we had we had guys uh, flying from, uh, you know, two states away. So that's, that's called logistics. Yeah. And there are Supply people chain management, right? <laughs> these guys, I've seen some of these guys when they go crazy. And when they go crazy, their hair actually just kind of shoots out of their head. Because mm -hmm. of the problems associated with, oh, my God, the plane can't actually get there when we think it's going to get there. Mm -hmm. Or it it's has to come in early. Mm -hmm. And so now you're, you're like, kicking and screaming trying to get all this stuff ready so that it can go out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, we have, we have one of the five planes had, had uh, mechanical problems and, and got to Greenville but then had to go back to, to uh, North Carolina. Wow. So four planes actually did all the work. Uh, one of them was a King Air. So, you know, it was... Right. It took took care of that, but I got to tell you, I mean that 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 really to me says a lot about. I guess, can I say that is it is a philosophy of just makerspaces in general that hey, there's a problem. We just we just we're problem solvers. We we do this iterative pro you know prototyping mm -hmm. right and and this was just another problem. The problem mm -hmm. was we can't get enough of these things out, and so. You know, you basically just scratch your head and say, "Okay, how many 3D printer guys out yeah, there? What can yeah. we do? What can we right, do? We're gonna make, we're gonna put some action into this, right. and we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do something right now. We're gonna, we're gonna help, and that goes back to that iterative prototyping, because <clears throat> we're still in that process of 
figuring out how to make that supply chain work. Because uh, I've got 5,000 more sitting on the dock. Oh, by the way, we've moved from 3D printing these halos into taking a, uh, a having them uh, injection molded. Oh, wow. So we moved from a, the prototyping stage into something that, that worked, and now we have injection molded parts. Oh, so they and get so produced quicker. Now we can produce, instead of many hundreds at a time, we can produce many, many thousands of ti- at a time. And so now our shipments, uh, you know, I've got 5,000 sitting on the dock right now and 5,000 in boxes ready to So what's to the total go. number out the door since you started this thing? Any uh, ideas? The total number out the door is about 7,500 uh, shields. Uh, and now the sewn masks are a, a slightly different group. Yeah. Uh, but they're, they're up over 7,000 masks. And the 7,000 masks have been mostly local. There's the... Right. They sew, sew yeah. together. And we worked with a company, or a, not a company, a, a, a group here in town called Sew, for sew Some Good Greenville mm. and Carolina Masks. And uh, they have a logistics group of volunteers that oh, wow. is, again, uh, absolutely amazing because they provide the kits to all of these seamstresses and, right. and uh, tailors who are sewing masks by hand. Wow. Um, and they have distributed seven... Over seven thousand masks. Yeah, my at niece, this point. my niece Alicia, has just taken up that. I mean, she's she sews a lot of container ga- garment bags, fashion bags. She does all that stuff, um, and uh, she's actually putting out some pretty awesome looking masks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got some pretty interesting fabrics and stuff. But it, it is fantastic. Um, so again, kudos, obviously, because it's do, you're doing something. Thank you for just standing up and doing something. Yeah, thank you. Significant. Thanks for the um, The other thing to this, and 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 maybe we can just kind of end this thing in the next fifteen or twenty minutes on this topic because I think you, you so maker spaces are this space where people can kind of share resources and not have to. You know, I'm not going to get a lathe right in my house. Mm-hmm. I'd love one. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. wife would not let me have one. <laughs> let me just put it that way. I love you, Laura. Um, but I, I can't do that, right? It's just uh-huh. not, not possible. Um, I have enough trouble with a chop saw. So, sure. All right? Just not going to do it. Um, but you could bring, you know, people together, have this shared space, do this. Um, but isn't, isn't just the truest, give me a little bit of your – You'll probably completely disagree with this statement, but isn't this in its, in its sense, in its own self, a micro manufacturing facility? A, Ab- yeah, absolutely. You're not a full blown manufacturer, like, like, you know, GE manufacturer solar panels, right? You're mm-hmm. not, you're not, and you never know what's going to come out of this place. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. But, but from a standpoint of. Uh, if you put your mind to it, you could, in fact, combine resources, make something happen, and do it in a very short period of time, not produce it in the millions of units, but at least in the hundreds, if not thousands of units. And like you said, if there was a network of these makerspaces all across the United States, mm-hmm. you could almost place an order on Friday and have a million units shipped to a common location by all these people just going, yep, I got it. Boom, you download the specs. I got this. I can do. I'll do is. I'll do the first ones in 3D modeling. Boom. Then we'll figure out an injection mold. Boom. Okay, I got that. And then all these places could, in effect, 
do what even the auto manufacturers couldn't do when they were trying to make those darn valves for the breathing right. machines, right? Mm -hmm. They had to retool their entire process when, in right. fact, if there was enough maker spaces, if there was enough synergy mills around, and you were all really a connected organism of hundreds, if not thousands of, of you, Correct. you could just drop an idea into the pool let everybody go out, everybody produce a hundred or a thousand, and then everybody ship it to the same location. Yep. That's uh synergy, right? <laughs> All of us is working together to do a thing. Well, I mean, you think uh -huh. of synergy, you think of it as a from a humanistic perspective, but mm -hmm. when you think of it as a supply chain, right? Mm -hmm. How much you know, so we live here in the upstate of South Carolina and we've got BMW mass producing cars just down the street from us here right, right. just up the just right. north of, of us right they now. assemble cars yeah yes they assemble sorry exactly Did well I that's the make? whole idea yeah yeah but they do assemble but they've got this huge facility what if mm -hmm. what if there were a thousand of those smaller manufacturing sites one in five or eight in every state of the union right mm -hmm. instead of just one here in north carolina in which case if you needed to get something done, then you're also shipping things, and it takes less effort to get a truck from Greenville to L.A. Sure, sure. It takes a lot less effort if there was this micro spot. So this mm -hmm. micro-manufacturing kind of concept to me is what I've really been kind of mm -hmm. geeking out about because you kind of did it. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's the concept that you're talking about, I think, uh, I mean, like distributed manufacturing. Distributed manufacturing. Distributed Thank manufacturing. You. And, uh, but is it uh, really out there? Decentralized. Um, well, I think in in certain industries, it makes sense to do that, right? Okay. And for certain technologies, the upcoming technologies, or interesting things like the, the pieces that you mentioned, what if, what if we are able to drop an idea into a network of, you know... Of known uh, um, creative... With the tools, with the talent, with the, the, the drive to get it done. Right. Just drop that idea in. Exactly. No matter where they're at. Right. Because the internet puts us anywhere. Exactly. And I think there there are certain industries that that works really well with and other industries that, you know, we, we kind of have to work work on, on some of that. Uh, quality control issues. And that's one of the things that we've noticed here was that I have a thousand 3D printing guys all over and everybody's 3D printer is slightly different. Yeah, and so we've gotten, you know, a, a certain percentage of the halos that either are poorly constructed or don't meet tolerance or don't meet spec and right. those kinds of things. So um, working out, working that out so that it it is repeatable and dependable and and reliable. Um, takes some time and some iterations. Well, we were just talking about yeah. that to begin with, right? You right. have you have that iterative. Um, the, the prototyping, but then you've got a process. And inside right. that process is that level of quality control that says, mm -hmm. you know, you take a 3D picture of the thing before it gets sent. Somebody looks at that 3D model picture mm -hmm. and validates that all the points are correct before it goes mm -hmm. out. I mean, you could you can create a process for that. You can do it on pretty much anything that is manufactured, either injected, molded, machined, or 3D printed, right? right? Sure. I think the, the the process that you're talking about is a a, a a very good process to bring in and evaluate what we're doing. It, if we can make 
whatever we're making, let's see if that particular process and procedure will fit with what we're making and make it appropriate. Right. Right. Um, because it comes with its own set of issues to solve. Right. Uh, the, the supply chain management thing, the quality control issue, uh, delivery on time, you know, the, uh, profits, you know, yep. how do you, how do you, how do you divide the money up? How do you, know, how do you divide the labor up? How do you, di- you know, all of these, right. all of these things. Um, so the concept, yes, absolutely is a very valid concept that, that we can put in our tool belt to say, is this a thing that we can pull out and apply to what we're building to make that happen? Do we, uh, if you're starting out a business and you're starting out a thing, Hey, is this, is, putting this idea out to a distributed group an option for us or do we go with you know some a, another method right yeah and but the the only rationale that exists today is let's enact uh this thing in congress where we can tell a business to stop making cars and start making airplanes right mm. that's the only thing we've got right now that's the only thing that's out there as far as flex flexibility as, as far as you know production. trying to make some production flexibility or production changes in a very short period of time and they're probably still talking about doing it <laughs> and not mm-hmm. really doing it yeah. right um, and by the way, sure. the background noise that you're hearing now, this is because we we're actually in the synergy mill. There is a Let me make sure I, I point that out. I'm going to leave all that in there too. Cause it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, um, the interesting thing is that that noise that you're hearing over there, that's, yeah. that's Huwaki and they are making, uh, swabs for, uh, COVID, uh, th- Oh, the brain ticklers? Yeah, yeah. Oh so their their technology for microsurfaces they're putting to use in uh, making these wow. swabs. So oh, there's a lot of really cool. cool stuff happening in this building, wow. uh, specifically to to address the COVID uh, wow. crisis. So I mean, so the, the the piece that I'm taking away from this, and the thing that I would actually love to have more dialogue with you on a separate note, is this idea of a collective network pool. Um, mm-hmm. that we can drop an idea into. Right. And, and we can, and without having an you know, international you know, health crisis, there are smaller crises going on all over the place that... It's all relative, right? It's all relative, mm-hmm. right? So any, you know, we've got any number of different problems that need to be solved. But it just seems like touched on that distributed manufacturing concept in a way that is responsive, that is productive, and solved an immediate need when the larger, more traditional manufacturing worlds Mm -hmm. weren't able to come to and -hmm. make work, right? Like right now, what I would really like you guys to be working in the back there is uh, making toilet paper. Could you guys do that? Because <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> toilet paper is a process that takes like a million years to produce enough toilet paper. And mm-hmm. when there's a when there's a, a, a glut on it, then, uh, you know, it's going to be another five years before the, it's back mm-hmm. on the. Sorry, sure. didn't mean to go off. On well, yeah, the, the, the distributed manufacturing thing and, then, and and so forth, decentralized, if you want to call it that, go for that far, um, is about communication and setting standards and making ag- an agreement you know w- we want to agree to produce it at a certain level at a certain volume at a certain you know what right. what what are our limits and and to be able to open up and dialogue between groups of what is an acceptable 
pathway. We define the pathway of how the idea comes in and how the products get get put out. So it it's a, it's a communication issue. It's a people issue. It's a people problem, right? It's it's uh, <laughs> we, get, we got that friend. <laughs> we know that guy, and uh, you know, defining those things. Um, I'll throw a plug out to uh, the Nation of Makers, okay, who is uh, a nationwide group that is getting the maker spaces. Um, it's kind of a, a, they they do lobbying to in, in Washington for for the National uh, Week of Making and so on, which was like two weeks ago. Um, they are a group that are are helping maker spaces kind of standardize at that certain level mm. because our market is is not necessarily in the production side of things and right. small forms right. of production. Right. My market is how all of those kids who. And I'm like I'm lo- using kids loosely. That's know? right. Kids from nine to fifty-five, <laughs> uh, getting them into uh, uh, an arena of trying and building and making and the joy of of right. that. I mean, the market for that for us is is bigger, right? Right. And and so, Nation of Makers is helping the maker spaces get together and st- essentially standardize on things like training, because you want to run yeah. a table saw, right? There's you need some. Yeah, better you need than, to better understand some, some stuff. Right, you'll um, have eight fingers if not. There's exactly uh, or fewer, and y- there. What if we had a standard of training that if I went to Synergy Mill in Greenville and I took the the safety class, that safety class would apply to other makerspaces around town or throughout. You know, I could go to no makes Crucible total sense. In, in Arizona, right? Makes total sense. Yeah, or to to Artist Asylum. You know, I could I could go to any of those other cool maker spaces and say I took the table saw class, so I'm qualified. And so, and there was that documentation that, is, right. that resided on a place where they could just go, oh yeah, Joey, yeah, oh yeah, you got wow, you got all these kind of credit. Wow, right. really? You made you made you made frames mm-hmm. for drones. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah, or so. you've you know you you've met. It's kind of like the OSHA standards, right? Yeah, you, exactly. You take the OSHA, you take the OSHA classes. You get certified. It yeah. says I understand these things. I may not know them, but I I yeah. went through the class. Right. I, I went. Th- I paid for yeah. the. <laughs> I paid. I paid for, for the <laughs> the certificate that says that I did this, uh, and and that would be a standardized thing, that uh, again is part of those root. Uh, the root agreements that we have between makerspaces and between people that says, I want this level of reliability and this level of, of accuracy and this level of tolerance and this level of right. of skill and this level of, of training. Well, I mean, it just opens up, to me, uh, an obvious um, filling the gap of something that we just went through with all this stuff with COVID-19 and, mm-hmm. and the resources and the having the necessary pieces in place for the for the healthcare professionals, first responders to have all this gear and stuff like that. Right. Uh, it was an obvious man. Wouldn't it have been great if this was already set up? Mm-hmm. But now that you've learned, right, documenting that, maybe trying to make it somewhat of a program if you can that others mm-hmm. can then mimic and kind of build to, and then ultimately maybe on a national mm-hmm. level come to some mm-hmm. level of standardization for makerspaces so that at least. In the event that you want to drop that idea into the pool, you at least know that everybody's at least got the certifications to be safe. Right. That they're producing m- the materials from the ma- the types mm-hmm. of quality materials that you're looking for, all that other kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. So, well, the, the that's very cool. Yeah. Though. The the bittersweet thing about the the COVID thing is we're still we're we're about in the middle of this thing, right? It's it's not going to end next Depends week. Depends on who you talk to. Depends <laughs> on who you talk to. Um, but 
things yes. aren't things aren't going to go back to no. I mean, it's zero, never going right? away. So <laughs> never going away. And so we do have some time to uh, further refine what we're doing, right? And further make things better. Yes. Um, as far as the COVID things goes, so I, I, you know, as much as we've done here, um, there's a lot of room for improvement for our process. Um, a lot of the volunteers, you know, we've we've had volunteers ages eight to f- to fifty. Wow. Doing, you know, cutting uh, elastic, and I built a machine that helps us cut uh, elastic straps a whole lot faster. Instead of one at a time, we can do, you know, ten at a time. <laughs> but uh, the the thing is that we still have some time with this to to further refine and deliver the the protective gear to to the doctors. So we're we're not under a huge rush, right? Um, and we're not under the the a a financial huge yeah. a financial pressure or a production pressure. Uh, we're just doing our part, and we're walking forward in the parts that we can we can make happen. Yeah. I think that a year from now, six months from now, we sit down again and we talk about this again. I, you know, I obviously you're going to have more stories to tell because <laughs> this place is where stories are created. I yep. think basically, I mean, you should just make that the sign. This, yeah, this is where ideas come to live. Yeah, right. Ideas, uh, yeah, imagination. Right. Uh, what is it? <laughs> what is it? Oh no! Oh. Uh, it's, yeah, it's where imagination comes to play and ideas get real. There it is. Yeah. See, I knew it would come back. It is. Except when you, when I push your button and yeah. you're like, what? I've been drinking. <laughs> a beer. So, a beer. A beer. So, first of all, again, uh, thank you very much, thank Joey. You. This was, um, you know, it's it's a very interesting model that you've created. Um, I've kind of seen it kind of grow over the years. Um, extraordinarily impressed with um, the challenges that you've had to overcome and then as well extraordinarily impressed by just coming together and, and figuring the, that problem out mm-hmm. for those masks um, kudos to you to everybody that Thank was you. involved in that and I think uh, I'd like for you to shoot me over some more names that I can drop into the podcast mm-hmm. um, on the website so that everybody's you know We've got to thank a lot of people here. Oh, absolutely. Uh, there are a bunch of people the, involved. And you know, the organizations that supported that mm-hmm. type of stuff. And then before I get out of here, I'm probably going to take a few pictures. Sure. Because as most of the people that I've been actually interviewing, you know, they're entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Slocum, right? Yep. He's got Beard Joy. He oh, yeah. Pr- you know, all these oils, right? Oh, you bet. Doesn't have a, like a manufacturing facility. It's in his house. Mm-hmm. So I'm a customer. Happy cool. customer, by the way. Oh, there you go. There you go. I'm telling you. <laughs> it gets itchy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, w- I will tell you this. You have to watch the little bottle because it's about the same size as the like the peppermint es- essence oils. Oh boy. Yeah, and if you get those mixed up, it's just a little bit more exhilarating than you <laughs> want it to be. Um, that happened to me last week, and I I now I I, I just throw that warning out there. I yeah. learned my lesson. Just want to help the you out. The beard oils go to the, the side. The beard oils go in a different spot than the peppermint oil. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you again for this, Joey. Um, thank you. And you know what? Let's uh, just keep the dialogue going, and let's. I just really want to do a follow up with you as quickly. Yes, as we absolutely. Can. We'd um, love to. And then, um, and we were having a whole dialogue ahead of time because 
uh, Joy does production, does video production, audio work. He's yeah. he's basically a man of multiple talents. So we may actually just do one of those just on that whole production side because to. I've kind of learned how to do some of this stuff just by just trying something that I wasn't really sure it's going to work. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be kind of nice to show other people how they can maybe do a production a little easier, a little more cost effective. Sure. I'd love to. How about that? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. Uh, so this is Jim Sevier with The Coachable. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And, uh, again, I was with Joey Loman over here at the Synergy Mill. And, wow, great, great thank interview. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thanks for having me out. Talk to you soon. See ya.